0: Hey folks, and welcome back to another episode of I Am Northwest Arkansas. I'm your host, Randy Wilburn, and I'm sitting here in the Furman Garner Performance Studio at KUAF. You guys know that we've partnered with KUAF, and it's been nothing short of amazing. I love some of the community relationships that have developed because of this podcast, and certainly the relationship that I Am Northwest Arkansas has with KUAF Radio is no exception to that. Kyle Callums and Lee Wood and the rest of the team here at KUAF are simply amazing. And so today we're excited because we're sitting down with somebody that I've actually kind of been a fanboy of for quite some time and and had a chance to certainly enjoy her food since the moment that I set foot in Northwest Arkansas uh, more than eight years ago. I was just telling her that. And so I wanted to I finally got a chance to get Chef Marty Schmidt on the podcast. Chef Marty is the chef and owner of Cafe Rue Orleans, which is based right there, right just north of North Ave on College Avenue. You can't miss it. It's a very simple white building, but they sit up top there, kind of overlooking all of Northwest Arkansas. And they have a fabulous restaurant. And if you've only driven by and haven't been in shame on you. And I'm going to encourage you to definitely check it out after you listen to this podcast and you'll understand why. But without further ado, I want to welcome Chef Marty Schmidt to the I Am Northwest Arkansas podcast. How are you doing? I'm great. Thank you for inviting me. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, it is certainly my pleasure. And, you know, as I did my research on you and, you know, one of the things that I always tell people about this podcast is we like to have an organic conversation just to kind of just kind of learn about an individual. And I think people prefer something that's not highly scripted, but I would love for you in your own way to kind of share your superhero origin story. And I want to go back specifically to some of the family influence that you had in terms of how your family had a strong restaurant heritage in New Orleans, and that kind of shaped your culinary journey. I would love for you maybe to start there. Sure.
1: I have a great story. (laughs) I'm the oldest of six. Okay, My mom and dad were both from restaurant families in New Orleans, which means that you grew up above the restaurant and the bar like my mom did on Chapatula Street. Her daddy had a bar, sandwiches, lunch plate, and they lived upstairs. My dad, his parents did lots of different things through the years, but one of them was they had a little bar and sandwich shop on Magazine Street. And so from there, I think, They, my parents instilled upon us the love of food and the love of cooking. Having said that, my mom was the youngest of nine and her mom died at nine. So she had a housekeeper and two older sisters who really raised her. And so when she got married to my dad, she really didn't have any cooking skills. (laughs) My dad was the oldest of three and he was pretty independent. And so just, you know, that marriage, the youngest and the oldest, Mom and dad marrying my mom. She had this idea that she needed to cook for her family and she was more casserole, throw everything in a pot, put a cover on it and you don't touch it. My dad was more adventurous and so adventurous that he turned the garage into his kitchen with (laughs) a refrigerator and a stove and she wouldn't let him fry in the house. And so we would come home from school and we would pass the stove and we would look at what mom had and then we would go outside and see what he was doing. And my dad worked for the railroad. So he had odd hours. Sometimes he would go to work when we were going to sleep and Mm -hmm. then he would be there when we woke up. Sometimes he'd get in, you know, four o'clock in the morning he'd be sleeping. But he always had some food. And he was really he was creative. My mom had to follow a recipe. And so, you know, it's just kind of one of those things where I was brought up to participate to peel potatoes, to learn how to shuck an oyster, learn how to peel shrimp, things like that. It was just one of those things with being, you know, the oldest of six, I did a lot of things in the kitchen. And so that kind of started the love of cooking and the appreciation of cooking. Yeah. Because I can give you a set of recipes and a set of ingredients and tell you to make a gumbo. But if you don't have the technique <laughs> and you don't know how to stir that roux and keep it from burning, that flour and oil in that recipe's gonna get you nowhere. Yeah. I tell people that a lot of times I tell my cooks nowadays, it's not just about the ingredients and in the recipe, it's about the technique and when you add something and when you know not to. Yeah. And you know, that's kind of how it started for me, the love of cooking. Yeah. <laughs> and so because my mom grew up on Chapatula Street, I have, when you walk in the restaurant, I have the window. We think it was the window in the room where she grew up. It's now a mirror. My brother saved all those windows when the building got sold in a couple of decades ago to Mm -hmm. a family member. And that stays in the restaurant. And then I have Catfish Chapatula's. As a dish in on my menu to honor Chapatula Street. Okay,
0: nobody right. can pronounce it, but yeah, exactly. Uh, I was I was about to yeah. try to pronounce it. Magazine's much easier though.
1: Yes, so. yes. <laughs> yes, and I don't try do to spell Chapatula because right. it's an Indian word and it's crazy. <laughs> yeah.
0: So now Schmidt—that's a German last name. German. Isn't it? So
1: yeah. yeah. So so I'm German and Italian. Okay. And a lot of the good cooking comes from the Italian side. Yeah. And you know, Italian settled in New Orleans. It was a port city. Sure. It is a port city. Yeah. And so, yeah, my roots are pretty deep in the Italian side. German side, maybe I got my, I don't know, continents. I'm pretty strong, <laughs> strong-willed. Right. I think I got that from Germans because okay. I don't know about their cooking. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, unless you want Spätzle or, right. you know, some of right. that. I mean, we have a couple of German restaurants or at least German-influenced restaurants. Yes. And Bauhaus Beer Garden is one that comes to mind. Mm-hmm. What the chef has done over there and, and Daniel Hentz, they've done a great job. But no, I mean, it's funny because, you know, you expect that somebody's got a certain influence in their lives when they cook a certain type of food, Mm -hmm. right? But your exposure, you were just exposed to the culture in New Orleans. And I think the friends that I went to college with that were from New Orleans, they just kind of got it by proxy Mm -hmm. because they were in the area, Mm -hmm. you know? And it's just something, it's hard Mm -hmm. to explain. And I I shared with you that one of the things that I was excited about moving to Arkansas was that I was a little bit closer to New Orleans. Some of the best food I've ever eaten in my life was in New Orleans. And so I said, by my thought, my rationale was, okay, I'm closer to New Orleans. I'm like an eight hour, nine hour drive to New Orleans. And I would hope that there's some New Orleans inspired food in Northwest Arkansas. And that first place that I said Mm -hmm. I went was to Cafe Rue Orleans. I think it was literally the first or second Sunday that we were in town. Mm -hmm. We came for brunch and I was, I was sold because, I mean, anywhere that I could go to get beignets right. and some chicory, right? I was it was a wrap.
1: Any time of the day.
0: <laughs> We're open at
1: 11. We close at 8. And you can come in and get beignets and Café du Monde, coffee and chicory. And it doesn't have to be a special occasion.
0: Yeah. So, you know, I think what's interesting when people see you and what you're doing today with Café Rue Orleans and the impact that you've had from a food perspective in our community here in Northwest Arkansas, I think a lot of people think you've been burning it up since day one, but you actually, this is, you know, cooking was a detour for you. Yes. You started first in education, which I found really interesting. Would you be able to kind of elaborate and tell us, you know, what that experience was like before you actually got, you know, you really licked your culinary chops and just threw yourself into that area?
1: It's an interesting journey. And I really wanted to be a teacher. And so, When I graduated from high school in 1970, everybody was going to LSU and I was like, I don't know, I want to be a teacher. And so, you know, just opportunities presented themselves and I found myself in Arkadelphia, Arkansas, going to Henderson State Teachers College. It's now a university, but it was a teacher's college back then. And so then I spent four years in Arkadelphia and got a degree. Special ed was, I was really in physical education and then- I had an opportunity to take some special ed classes at night. Really, I took them because I was at the racetrack during the day on Tuesdays (laughs) and Thursdays. Truth be told. Yes. Yes. And so then I needed to pick up a few more hours. So I took a couple of night classes and and I was, you know, one of the few undergrads. Most of them were grad students. So when I graduated, I was able to teach special ed and physical education and did kind of both of them. Went back home to New Orleans taught 3 years in new orleans having special education degree allowed me to work with a pretty large population from from down syndrome all the way to basically a behavior disturbed what they call emotional disturbed population and so it was good it was in a special school the whole school had special needs kids and and so then it was like one of those things where okay, I need to work on my master's. And so then I moved to Lafayette after three years in New Orleans, which has a really good food scene. Oh, absolutely! By the way. I was I'm exposed to a whole different culture because people don't realize, Randy, that Cajun cooking and Creole cooking are two different things. They're yeah. both excellent, but when I try to describe it to people, I think of Cajun as more of country cooking, and you raised it. You killed it. uh, You ran over it. (laughs) You made gumbo, (laughs) low, slow, long kind of cooking. Yeah. When you get to New Orleans, because of the Italian, because of the French, because of the Caribbean influences, we have, we had a whole different thing. And so that's Creole and you have tomato and gumbo. In New Orleans, you don't in Lafayette. Okay, you have tomato in jambalaya. That Italian, they brought the tomatoes, so you have a whole different thing. And this is almost city cooking. So Creole city, Cajun is country. Yeah, and both excellent and really good at you know what they do. And so going to Lafayette, I got, I got exposed to people who really knew how to make a gumbo. Yeah, and you know I taught I taught in Pecan Island. I taught in Abbeville, Louisiana. I taught in Crowley, Louisiana, and retired after twenty-five years in Acadia Parish. And by that time, I had really gotten involved in cooking. Yeah. And you know, I would do during the summers off. I would. I had a little catering company called A Catered Affair, <laughs> and I would do you know bridal showers and receptions and small gatherings, and that's kind of what I did. So, you know, it was kind of a natural thing to think of. I retired at 48. That's young. It's young, but in Louisiana, you could. Yeah. If you had 20 years or more, you could retire. retire. So I didn't stick around. I had done (laughs) really what I wanted to do.
0: Well, how did you end up in Northwest Arkansas? I mean, I get Henderson College, but how did you end up in Northwest Arkansas?
1: Okay. So my partner, Carla, is a therapist. Okay. And she's from Camden, Arkansas. Okay. And you know, it was kind of one of those things where it was either go to New Orleans when I retired and get in business with my brother who has a restaurant in New Orleans called Smitty's Restaurant and Oyster Bar. He's the youngest boy. I didn't think it was a great idea to go home (laughs) and take over his restaurant or get into his restaurant. And so, you know, we just started thinking about what we wanted to do. What was the next step? And Arkansas seemed like the place. And then in in 1998, I got a Smart Money magazine that said the top five places to be for the next three decades is really? one of them was Northwest Arkansas. Really? Yeah, Atlanta, Phoenix, uh, Scottsdale, Arizona. Those are some I would some love places, to see that article. Yeah, look that, it up. Yeah, look Smart Money up. magazine. Smart Money magazine. Interesting. Um, it was it was just like where to be, and of course, and you know you think about it because I retired in 2000. In the late 90s, Walmart was going like gangbusters. Sure. And your stocks were splitting and dividing and they were building Sam's Clubs all over. Mm -hmm. And so it was, you know, it was a hot, it was a hot area. And so, you know, started looking around. Actually, we looked a little bit in Little Rock. Okay. Because the river market was just about to blow up. And we learned that if we got into that situation with a restaurant, it was basically four walls and a lot of money to invest. And we didn't have a lot of money to invest. So we wanted a turnkey thing. And so we looked. we came here, we went up to Bentonville. We looked a little bit in Bentonville and then just really kind of settled on where we are now, 1150 North College. It was the old Highway Inn Motel. Uh, The spot was available in November. We moved here in July of 2000. And, you know, it was just kind of like it was fate.
0: Yeah. And we've been there ever since. Ever since. Yeah. That's interesting. And, you know, there's something about that building that kind of has a, a romantic feel to it. <laughs> it's a little different. Right. You know, I feel like. I don't
1: like, know if I'd use the words romantic. Well, I mean. But but, but nostalgic for nostalgic, sure. Nostalgic. Yeah, yeah. Yeah.
0: So, but I just, I mean, there's just something about it. I, it's hard to describe, but I would encourage anybody that is listening that hasn't been to Cafe Rue Orleans but has driven by and seen the sign. You need to stop and either go there for lunch or dinner or brunch on a Sunday, but you will not be disappointed. And it it really is a slice of New Orleans right here in Northwest Arkansas. What can you kind of talk maybe about? You know, your inspiration once you actually opened Cafe Rue Orleans. What was what did you did you decide? Hey, I'm going to create and put out all of the the New Orleans normal there or I wanted to do something a little different with it.
1: Well, I mean, that was kind of a year of driving back and forth to Little Rock, writing down every recipe that I knew, every dish that I had ever eaten and, you know, legal size uh, notebook that was <laughs> very, very full and still is in a book, you know, the the birth of Cafe Rue Orleans. Okay. And Carl is very, very organized. And I am not. I am very ADD. And so I throw out these ideas and she grabs them and she makes them happen. Right. And really and truly, you know, she's the one who pretty much put it all down on paper. It was in my head. Yeah. And I didn't really know what it was going to look like, but I knew what I like to eat. And so just that year of driving back and forth and trying to find a spot to live and a spot to, to, you know, open a restaurant and start a business on nothing, really. We had saved enough money f- maybe for like a mid-sized Toyota. <laughs> we thought we could make the payments on that if it didn't work. So, you know, it's just kind of one of those things. I knew I wanted pull boys because that's what New Orleans is founded sure. on. Sure, yeah. And oddly enough, one of the first pull boys to go was a roast beef pull boy huh. because nobody ordered it. We had the meat, we sliced it, we portioned it, we had the gravy. It just never It never took off. I had a guy, one guy cross the street when the hospital was open at the time. He was from New Orleans and he was a nurse and he'd get off about 3.30 and twice a week he'd walk across the street and grab a roast beef boy. But here, people did not make that connection. Roast beef boy is what you want when you go to New Orleans. Okay. Now, shrimp's great. Oyster's great. Right. Crawfish, great. But that's just sort of what New Orleans people, locals want, which is the first thing I get when I go home. Okay. At Parasols. Parasols on Constance is my go-to pool boy. Okay. Everybody has one. It's a neighborhood restaurant. So then, you know, moving on, I had to have a mufalata because New Orleans is known for a mufalata. I use Bascoli olive salad made in New Orleans. I use Gambino's French bread with seeds on top in a round bake, and it makes it pretty authentic. Mufaladas don't need mustard or pickles or Mayonnaise, they, it's an olive salad and meat and cheese and bread. And that's it. That's it. So then, you know, I had to come up with ideas, you know, Chopatulas for one. I wanted to honor my mom. So catfish Chopatulas was a dish that I created and it's on the menu. It is the number one dish year after year.
0: So describe that dish. How do you prepare the catfish? So
1: we get a catfish filet. We butterfly it and we stuff it with our crab cake stuffing. And then we, we fold it back smooth it out. We batter it and fry it. Oh, wow. And then when it comes out, we top it with a seafood cream sauce that has shrimp and tasso, which we make our own tasso. And it's a smoky pork product, heavily smoked, heavily seasoned. And we put it in the food processor. It goes in that dish. It goes in our gumbo and our red beans to give it that smoky back. Yeah. So that's our punch train sauces are kind of like go-to sauce. It doesn't mean anything. It's not like a Bernays. Yeah. This is just something I created and I wanted to keep the menu true to things people would recognize in New Orleans, like Pontchartrain, Chocotula right. Street, Decatur Street Salad, Bourbon Street Chicken, so that we kind of kept that theme going. And Café Rue. So, Rue is two things. R-O-U-X is flour and oil. Right. We make a gumbo. And then R-U-E is the French word for street. Yep. And so- in New Orleans, when you go, you'll see Rue Bourbon, you'll see Rue Orleans, you'll see Rue Royal on the on the sidewalk in the tile, and so that's where that name came from. So that's why I have a a street lamp in my logo. It sort of ties everything in.
0: Yeah. Well, listen, I think you've done a good job of kind of tying everything in with the food and and just kind of the experience. And and like I said, I mean the beignets. Second to none. It's 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 as close as you're gonna to get to Cafe Dumont as being there, you know. Yes. And so I certainly would encourage people to take advantage of that. Talk about a little and I so you've survived mm-hmm. the financial meltdown of yes. 08, 09. Oh and you're still yes. around. You survived the pandemic. Yes. I would love for you just to kind of talk about kind of the challenges and rewards to running a restaurant. Mm. Especially in a growing mm. area like Northwest sure. Arkansas.
1: Changing. <laughs> it's changed. You know, we opened 22 years ago I know. in January. You've seen everything. I've seen a hundred plus come and go. Yeah. And not so much, Randy, The that the food wasn't any good. It's usually a management issue. Yeah. You know, it's trying to find staff and it's trying to find honest people that's not going to take things from you, that they're going to do a good job and you're going to pay them an honest wage. So running your own business is such a challenge. And once you work for yourself, number one, you'll never work harder for anybody no, else. You'll no, never. No. Because some days are, you know, long and some weekends are really, really trying. So it, it would be hard for me to go back to work for anybody else. Yeah. Some of the hurdles that I've experienced, you know, you, have, it, you just have to figure out how to make it work. For the first, I would say, 12 to 15 years. We had college students that would come in, they needed beer money, they'd wash dishes, they'd wait tables. We've seen a change, of course, since COVID, but a little bit before that, Mm -hmm. we started seeing kids driving Range Rovers, you know, go down Fraternity Sorority Row. They have cars that are very, very expensive, which means they come from families that they don't need to work. Yeah, I worked all through college (laughs) every single day, right? yeah. And so now we have a different kind of generation that some of the people don't need to work and some of them really don't want to work. So staffing is always an issue. Yeah, yeah. And I have been blessed with a staff that really sticks with me. I mean, I've had people stick with me eight, 10 years. Yeah. I've had several that have been with me five or six left for a few years and came back. And so that, to me, is, I think, one of the blessings and reasons why we're here 22 years. I don't need somebody to come in that knows how to flip burgers. Sure. You know, I just need somebody to come in that's willing to learn because I'm a teacher at heart. I love, you combine teaching and food, I'm in 150%. I like passing on what I know. And I'm a really good teacher. I know that's one of my gifts. Besides being charming and charismatic <laughs> and sometimes funny. Yeah. But that's my thing. And I think I need to share it. Some of the challenges really just take a little bit of persistence and perseverance and try to figure it out. Yeah. Some of the fun things, I have been exposed to so many friends, people who were customers for years and years. And then all of a sudden, they become friends, they become confidants. It's one of those things that you don't think of when you're going to open a restaurant. You think you're just going to feed people. Yeah. You're not going to have to go in on Monday and tighten up all the screws in the chairs. You're not going to have to go in and fix something that's broken. You don't think about that when you get ready to open a restaurant. You're just ready to feed people. And right. I think some of those things are can be challenges and some of those things can be plus being part of the community is in my DNA because my, My mom was very involved in church, grew up Catholic. Sure. We could walk to church. (laughs) That's how close we were. Yeah. And we were taught to give back. And, you know, I could bore you with stories about my mom giving away a Christmas present that my dad gave her a coat to a lady she didn't know in a grocery store because she was outside cold. And so that's the way I was raised. It was always to give back and to be part of. And- It served me well. That lesson has been in my heart forever.
0: Well, you know, and its I'm glad you kind of took me into this space because I did want to talk with you about community engagement Mm -hmm. and kind of how do you see Cafe Rue Orleans playing a role within the community. And it's so funny because I've actually, I reached out to two specific people that I know know you and I wanted to get their thoughts about you. And so the first one is my buddy Nate Walls mm-hmm. from Secondhand Smoke Barbecue, who I know you've kind of taken under you've taken him under your wing yes. somewhat and uh and have kind of helped him out with some things. But he said that Marty is extraordinarily generous. She supports so many different causes in our community and she has an authenticity, a kind of charismatic southern charm that you can feel when she talks to you. She's dope. That was, that, that was, that's how he ended it. So, and so, and and I actually got a very comparable response from uh, Herbert Boo Buchanan. And he, yeah, he and his wife, Sarah, are doing some amazing things, mm-hmm. both here in Northwest Arkansas, as well as over in Africa. And I know that they have worked with you on, on several of their events and initiatives mm-hmm. and you've supported them. I know you supported the uh, Soup Sunday event mm-hmm. for several years mm-hmm. and and uh, maybe you won even, it several you, years. You won it for several <laughs> yeah so and and so you've you've had your hands in a lot of different activities from a community standpoint. How has that played a role in how you have evolved as not just a chef, but as somebody in the community that has found ways to give back? I'm very involved
1: in the community and I, I believe the community supports me. And maybe, you know, during that time of COVID and that time where the economy crashed, I didn't really suffer. Yeah. I usually bloom where I'm planted. And so being able to give back to me is just, it's just so important. And I serve on several boards. I've been an AMP commissioner for eight years for the city of Fayetteville. I know what tourist money does. Yeah. I know what local money does because most of the MP money comes from locals who eat in the restaurants. The hotels would be tourists. I've been on the the botanical board, botanical garden board for eight years.
0: That's a beautiful facility. Oh my god! Yeah, it's people don't realize that you ride down two sixty five just kind of north of Joyce, and and you ride right by it, and you you if you don't look really fast, you won't notice it. Mm-hmm. But if you stop and go in there, right. you're like, oh my gosh, I'm like right. in a whole nother world. So right.
1: I was on the AMP board when the board gave them half a million dollars to finish the build. Okay. Because they were stalled out. Yeah. And I'm real proud of that. I think it was the the right decision and in, in, in the way to move that forward. I'm now serving on Peace at Home board and it is very needed. I hate to say it, but it is very needed here. Sure. So having said that I feel like when somebody comes to me and says, hey, I want to raise some money for fill in the blank, and it touches me, I am going to donate whatever I can. And it might mean a case of chicken to Nate so that he can feed his people. It might mean me actually making, you know, 30 chicken breast to give away for somebody to to raise money. I feel like it's just me giving back because I get so much out of this community. And yes, there is a fringe benefit of advertisement, but to me, it's just about giving back. You know, I do a lot of things now where I'm judging food events, Yeah, you know, yeah. the Heart Association, Paint the Town Red, the uh, Top Chef. I just did Top Chefs in in Rogers for the Rogers Public Library. There are things that I want to be involved in to be part of this community. And I tell people all the time. When you have an event, sometimes you raise funds yeah. and sometimes you raise awareness. And that's the biggest thing. We can't always raise enough money for whatever charity we're we're doing or for whatever event. But raising awareness is just as important because somebody somewhere is gonna go, Oh, I didn't know that existed. Sure. Sure. Oh, I didn't realize we had that in our community. Yeah. And so I encourage people Especially, you know, when you've been here in Fayetteville, get on a board, help make decisions to make this community what you think it should be and and to help it continue. And if you can afford it, give away something, (laughs) you know, help feed somebody. We we have some food insecurities here that sort of go under the radar. Oh, yeah. And Nate is bringing them to life.
0: Yeah, I I would say that. Some of my greatest experiences with food insecurity here in Northwest Arkansas was, you know, helping standing alongside Nate and helping him Mm -hmm. deliver food like at the Mm -hmm. early parts of the pandemic. And just really awakened my eyes to what's right here in our own backyard, because you think, oh, well. You know, Walmart, J.B. Hunt, Tyson, that's that place is just flowing with milk Mm -hmm. and honey and cash. Mm -hmm. That's not always the case. (laughs) You know, it really isn't. When you peel
1: back the layer of the onion, you get to see really what's going on. Right. And, you know, during COVID, that whole year and a half, we did not lose. I did not lose one employee Hmm. because we got money to keep them and I passed it on. Yeah. And I made sure that they were able to pay their bills. And so once the. You know, everything settled down and the country started getting back to normal. Then my people started looking elsewhere and trying to decide what they wanted to do next. Right. But you know, so many people lost employees. They had to close the doors. It was tough. It was tough. And so it was, it was really a, a trying period for us. And you know, it's just, it's putting your head down, not really thinking a whole lot, but moving and you have to pivot. Yeah, You have to figure it out within a day when we, you know, when we were told, hey, in March, you can't open your restaurant. Everything shut down. You got to figure it out and you can't wait too long.
0: No. Yeah. You know, and I remember very distinctly, I I got together with like Jeremy Gothrop. I talked to Mm -hmm. Matt Cooper at that time. I talked to John Allen from Onyx. And, you know, one of the things that I felt like I could do was, you know, kind of share their stories about what they were doing to pivot in that moment. And I think, What I saw here in Northwest Arkansas was the camaraderie that exists even among restaurant owners, Mm -hmm. right, where Mm -hmm. it wasn't so much competition. It was like, how do I help each other? How do I help you keep your doors open? I remember, you know, Hannah Withers was out Mm -hmm. there constantly Mm -hmm. every day. She had a new post on Facebook encouraging people to support our local service industry, because unfortunately, those are some of the folks that are hit the hardest when when we had to experience what we experienced right. with the pandemic.
1: Right. And, you know, to piggyback on that thought about helping each other out, I feel like in Northwest Arkansas, we really, the chefs really help each other. We're all trying to make a living. We're not yeah. getting rich. Yeah. We're just trying to do what we love. Feeding people has a really different tone to it than being an accountant. Yeah, you know yeah, what I'm talking about? Yeah. Because Nothing be, against being a ca- no, an accountant. But no, yes, it's, no just that, it's, it's just that what we do is really a different thing. And we're very passionate about it. And if I have an event in Rogers and I get there and I unload and I see that I haven't brought Sterno, I can make a call and within five minutes, I don't have to even go get it. They'll bring it to me. Yeah, Chef, where are you? I'll bring it. I'll drop it. Sure. And that's how it is. If somebody comes to Fayetteville and it's the same thing, we just kind of help each other out. And my brother has a restaurant in New Orleans. And he said, it is amazing because it's cutthroat in New Orleans. Sure.
0: Because everybody's trying to get everybody's that tourist dollar. Everybody's trying to yeah. grab
1: the dollar. Yeah. And he said, when I come to Fayetteville and he come when he comes to visit, he'll get in my restaurant and he'll cook. He says, it's so different. People just are different here. And that's a credit to who we are. Sure. And what we want to do.
0: Yeah. That's exciting you know i hear that over and over again and i was just having a conversation with folks with the urban land institute of northwest arkansas we were having some conversations around what is health and how we address food insecurity here in northwest arkansas and it just seems like to a man and woman to a person everybody wants to lend a hand to the best of their ability sure right we're not on the sidelines being a spectator we're all like we're all in. We're like, how do we Mm -hmm. do this? What do you need? How do I help you? Mm -hmm. It's like, even with the platform that I've built with this podcast, I mean, we're 260, 260 plus episodes. We've interacted with so many different people from Bella Vista here to Fayetteville, Eureka Springs over to Siloam. And it's like every chance that we get to share our platform with somebody else that has a great story, we try to do it because we know that that one story can be the difference for somebody here in this area. Right. And that's the thing that I really enjoy the most about this podcast in the same way that you enjoy cooking and sharing your skill set and ability with so many people because Mm -hmm. it does make a difference at the end of the day.
1: You know, when I taught, Randy, every day I really would get up and feel like that if I accomplished making a difference in one person's life, that that was a good day. Yeah, yeah. And I had that mindset. I have it every day that I wake up that I can make a difference. And it could be as simple as Giving somebody the most tasty bite in one bite, which is the catfish Sure. catfish, crab meat, and shrimp, all in one bite. Or telling the person behind me in the line at Walmart, I really like your hair. Or I love your shirt. It's simple. <laughs> yeah. It's little simple things that we have within us to do. Sure, yeah. And I think it just, it's important to me that I do it every day and stay conscious of it.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think, uh, and I always, it's funny, I always talk about like Brene Brown and, and she said one of the biggest challenges that we have is sometimes we struggle with seeing the humanity in each other.
1: Absolutely. And I think
0: when we take the time to see mm-hmm. the humanity in each other, then, you know, a lot of the our guard that we put up and a lot of other things that we, you know, we're able to get past that. Even when, when there is a place of disagreement, it's hard to look somebody in their eyes and really connect with them and not be able to you know have some type of fundamental understanding of who that person is because right. we're all we're all going through the same stuff sure it's just you sure. know and so i think it's important for us to be reminded of that
1: you know i think we need to be reminded to be kind yeah you know and i've seen it since covid and i can't explain it and i'm sure you know what i'm talking I about i do people are just they're just mean sometimes yeah. mean spirited they're mean to our wait staff because We didn't fill up their glass in a timely fashion. We're very demanding as a society. Yeah. And, you know, it's just I think we just need treat people with more kindness and quit judging them. Quit judging that homeless person that you see on that corner.
0: Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Well, you you know, know? and and hurt people hurt people. I always say that. And I think that the reality is, is that people just need to be reminded of that you know, there, but by the grace of God, go I, because I could be in that situation. And I was talking to somebody the other day about that and about how even over the last few years, even riding on the Greenway, the increase in tents that I'll see Mm -hmm. in different areas and places. And, you know, and I'm thinking, man, I could be there, you know, A couple of bad decisions. Yes, absolutely. A couple of paychecks that don't come. Yeah. Uh,
1: And I live in South Fayetteville off of Cato Springs and and so from the restaurant to home, I pass it every day. And I see these guys with signs and just needing stuff. And I really, really struggle to not stop and just open my wallet. I
0: know. I and,
1: know. And, you know, I carry around things in my car, carry around a blanket. I carry around little toiletry things, ziploc things, you know, go to hotel, you get shampoo and exactly. soap and stuff like that. And I just carry it around. I never know who I'm going to give it to, but I have it. And I'm more likely to do that. Yeah. Is to give something, you know, give away that coat that my mom got for Christmas because someone needed it. Needed it. Yeah. And yeah. that's kind of my thing.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, listen, I mean, I think, you know, we we all have to find that creed that we live by that allows us to do what we do on a yes. daily basis. So, yeah. like I always say, we all have that true north. We just have to follow it. So, and I think it's it, it just allows you to just take life and deal with it a little differently yes. so you know it really yes. does. Well listen as we wind up here I want two things I want to ask. First of all, how was that experience on on the Food Networks um, <laughs> supermarket stakeout. First of all, how did that opportunity come about and what was it like competing in that program? So
1: I think how it came about was I was selected by the uh, Lieutenant Governor in Arkansas. I think it was back in 2019 okay. to represent the state of Arkansas in New Orleans. For the Great American <laughs> Seafood Cook-Off. Okay, okay. And so when he asked me, I was like, uh, okay, you know I'm from New Orleans. <laughs> and he's like, yeah, I know you're from New Orleans. I said, okay. So I go down there, I compete. I didn't win, but I had my brother as my sous chef. And I had probably 40 to 50 friends and relatives that would just cheer their hearts out for me. Mm-hmm. And so- I had a lady come up to me and say, do you have a publicist? Do you have an agent? I'm like, what? What are you talking about? And so that's kind of how it came about, I think, because then she said, I could get you on food TV. I could, you know, get you some spot. And I was like, uh, I was kind of starstruck in a way. It was like, cause you put a microphone in front of me. I'm okay. Yeah. Yeah. I was a teacher. So yeah, I can exactly. talk. Yeah. So then it came up, they recorded the whole thing, and it was on PBS in New Orleans. Okay. And I think somebody saw it. Sure. So then I start getting these emails from uh, Guy's Grocery Games, what, chopped. And so it came from Food Network, and they just kept coming in. And I was like, oh, my God, what you know? what's going on? And then finally, I tried to get on Guy's Grocery Games. You know, you have to go through 50 pages of stuff that you sign your life away. Sure. And then- the, just the dates didn't make. And then all of a sudden, a producer called me and said, hey, I'm getting ready to produce a new show. It was Supermarket Stakeout with Alex Yeah, And so I said, cool. And it worked out. They flew me out to uh, Los Angeles. They picked us up from the airport. We went to the hotel. And then we were on set at uh, 545 in the morning. And it was a day of filming. Wow. It was a bucket list.
0: Yeah. Check. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah.
1: I was really happy I didn't get voted off the island the first round <laughs> and then the second round. And then the third round, it was just me and Molly. And Molly had competed in Top Chefs on Bravo mm-hmm. two seasons. First season got voted off quickly and second season went deep. So it was just her and I. And it was, it was a long day of filming. It was work. It was fun. Yeah. At times, but it was really it was tough being on a parking lot in California all day, standing, cooking, and then you if you've seen the show, I don't run real fast. I have two knee replacements, and so I'm like, hey, I'm just going to make it my own. Sure. So I didn't take off like a speeding bullet, but I got there and I did what I needed to do. I was disappointed I didn't win simply because I thought I had the better dish. And what you don't see as a viewer is what. Conversations went on when we were there. Yeah. It was it took a long time to decide the winner. Hmm. Interesting. And and you could hear Duff and Christian Petroni. He was they were the judges who they were fantastic. You could see them. They were having a hard time. They went back and forth, and one wanted me, the other wanted Molly. It went back and forth and back and forth. And we're just standing there. Oh man. With our hands behind our backs just waiting <laughs> and producers are all over. Cameramen are all over. And then finally, you know, when they announced it and I hadn't win, it was OK. Yeah. But it was a dream of a lifetime. It came true. People, I g- still get I'm to sure. this day emails to come back on. But, it, it, you know, I'm 71. I'm like, I've done that. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I yeah, mean, it's, I it's I let somebody else do it and it was really good and i can tell you that every time a new season of supermarket stake out i think they're on season 6 now mm-hmm. i was on number 1 the first episode we get business in the cafe
0: like Interesting. crazy Interesting.
1: i saw you on tv last yeah. night
0: yeah so, so you know that's the power of television and
1: you know here's the thing too after you know you film all day and the next day you come back the producer's sitting on the floor with your show and asking you questions that's when they do the interview mhm they said, Who are you? I said, I'm Marty Schmidt. I was born and raised in New Orleans. I live in Fayetteville, Arkansas. Yeah. I have a restaurant, Cafe Rue Orleans, the home of the Razorbacks, even though I'm a LSU Tiger fan. Yeah. I went on about who I was. When they come to the show, they say, Hi, I'm Marty Schmidt. I was born and raised in New Orleans.
0: Yeah. That's it. That's it.
1: They don't it, say anything it, about it Fayetteville. Yeah. They don't. Yeah. Of course, I didn't think they would plug my restaurant, but you know, it's one of those things and people say, why didn't you say anything about Fayetteville? It was I like, it's like, I did, I did but they, but they, they ended up it. on
0: a cutting room floor. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's one of the things I like about these long form podcasts that I get to do is I can kind of fit a lot of stuff in because sure. typically that's all for TV. It's just the sure. way that it is. So, sure. so the goal is always to be able to share as much, peel back the, the onion, as you said earlier, of the layers of our lives so that we can have a, a greater explanation. So the last question that I have for you is simply this. What advice would you give to any aspiring chefs and or restaurateurs? Not just here locally, but just let's say some people that listen to this from around the country, but just in general, what would you give? What would you say to them in the current climate that we're in when it comes time to start a business and and to run a business efficiently? And I, I'm a big fan of. Uh, Kitchen Nightmares with mm-hmm. uh, Chef mm-hmm. Gordon Ramsey. I, I watch all of those and mm-hmm. you see all the mistakes that are made mm-hmm. in the restaurant industry. And they're like landmines everywhere when starting and running a restaurant, especially what advice would you give to anyone that, that currently wants to or has a restaurant right now?
1: So my first thought when you said that is don't do it.
0: OK. OK, that's okay. my first thought. Sure.
1: I have two or three places here in town that. I was consulted on ahead of time and kind of told them, look, it's not the right time.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And they close. Yeah. So I would say follow your passion and find out if that community where you want to open needs your restaurant or needs your business. Yeah. Because if they they got 18 Thai restaurants in a three-mile radius, they don't need another Thai restaurant. And they can be anywhere in the country. Yeah. So find out if you if there's a need for what you have. And then the other thing I would say is be authentic. You can't just visit New Orleans on vacation and decide that you want to open a New Orleans restaurant in Des Moines, Iowa. You can't do it. You're not going to be open that long. Be authentic. Yeah. If you're going to put out a product, make sure that it comes from the heart. My recipes come from my experience growing up in New Orleans from my grandma, my aunt, my dad, my mom. And so those are recipes that have history with me. Yeah. And so that's what I serve. I didn't grow up eating blackened redfish. Paul Prudhomme burnt some redfish one day in butter and it became a thing. In New Orleans, we didn't grow up eating blackened anything. Yeah, Grilled, char, you know, char broiled, things like that. So be authentic in what you want to put out. And then the third thing is get involved in the community. Before we opened the doors in January, there was an event in Springdale and it was, they were raising money for the Heart Association and the restaurant wasn't even open and I made gumbo and I wanted to be in because I wanted people to taste it and go, well, where's your restaurant? Well, it's not open yet, right. but it will be. Yeah. So I got involved very early, Yeah, giving away food because I I really believed I could do it
0: yeah yeah well you said it earlier bloom where you're planted yes and, and you have to do that and I that's like some of the best advice that I ever got uh, mm-hmm. from my grandfather what you know you you take the time if to give to a city, it will ultimately give back to you and or city or a location sure, or region or sure. whatever. But your community. Yeah, exactly. Exactly.
1: Right. So. And just because you, you think you make the best lasagna in town doesn't mean you need to open an Italian yes, restaurant.
0: Yes. Say that again for the people in the back. That's right. <laughs> so, yeah, that's
1: right. Yeah. I mean, stay home. I have lots of friends who do great barbecue, not grill, great barbecue. barbecue. Nate's one of them and he can make a living doing it. Jordan Wright can make a living at Wright's doing it. They have the thing. But not everybody who makes a great dish should open a restaurant. That's true.
0: That's true. Yeah. It's hard. It is hard. It is very hard work and thankless at a lot of times too as well. So which is why you you have to be surrounded with people that continue to encourage you. And certainly I know you have that with the chef community that exists here in Northwest Arkansas as well as your partner, as well as your, your employees, your your, your family members slash staff folks. And mm-hmm. I mean, you need mm-hmm. that. Uh, without that, I mean, you can't do it. It's just hard. It's hard. It's really hard. So, yeah. wow. Chef Marty, if anybody listening to this episode wants to come to Cafe Rue Orleans, you guys are open Tuesday through Sunday. Is that correct? That's correct. Okay.
1: And it's 11. We open at 11, uh, Tuesday through Saturday, and we close at 8. Okay, and then Sunday we do brunch from ten thirty to two. Yeah, and that's it. We're and the close. The brunch is excellent. Yeah. Well, the brunch is nothing like you'll find in Northwest Arkansas. We don't do eggs over easy and right. crispy bacon. Right. Go to Waffle House. Right. Go to somewhere else <laughs> to get that. We do authentic New Orleans dishes and Lafayette dishes that you can't find anywhere right.
0: else. Yeah. So yeah, I, I encourage you to definitely check out and see Cafe Rule Orleans for yourself and. I mean, just, you know, Chef Marty's hospitality and, and the employees that she has there, they're they're absolutely fabulous. So if you are a fan of the Big Easy and you love the food from New Orleans, you could do a lot worse by not heading over to Cafe Rue Orleans. So you definitely got to check it out. <laughs> so Chef Marty Schmidt, thank you so much for joining us today. We absolutely. Really appreciate it, I'm so. humbled. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you. Well, folks, there you have it. Another episode of the I Am Northwest Arkansas podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. Remember, our episodes air just about every Tuesday as well on Ozarks at Large. So Kyle typically takes a segment of an episode just like this one we just did with Chef Marty, and they'll play it the next day after this comes out. Remember, our episodes come out every Monday, rain or shine. You can find us on every major podcasting platform. And of course, the podcast, we continue to try to put out this type of really high quality content for you on a regular basis. If you know someone or know an organization whose story needs to be told on this podcast, please reach out to us, hello, at IamNorthwestArkansas.com. I'm your host, Randy Wilburn, and we'll see you back here next week for another new episode of the I Am Northwest Arkansas podcast.
2: Peace. We hope you enjoyed this episode of I Am Northwest Arkansas. Check us out each and every week, available anywhere that great podcasts can be found. For show notes or more information on becoming a guest, visit IamNorthwestArkansas.com. We'll see you next week on I Am Northwest Arkansas.